Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Complete domination by the St. Louis Blues tonight as they rip apart the Edmonton Oilers 7-2. 7-2, all St. Louis in this game. The shots were 44-17. Jaden Schwartz got a hat trick to get up to 10 goals on the season. The goal scorers for Edmonton were Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Cassian. Nugent Hopkins matching a career high with his 24th. Cassian up to 13. And for the first time since January 19th, neither Connor McDavid nor Leon Dreisaitl gets a point in a game for the Edmonton Oilers. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is one minute before 9 o'clock. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. I mean, Rob, you said it, and this is this is the scary part. The Oilers lost by five goals, and the scoreboard probably flatters the Oilers in terms of the game flow. It does. Uh, it was a game where, if you're breaking it down, the Oilers had a two-minute spurt out of 60 minutes where uh, they looked competitive with St. Louis. It... Uh, St. Louis is a good hockey club, a very good hockey club. Uh, they are deep. They, I mean, they're not even healthy. They're still missing two of their top six defensemen. But the Oilers couldn't keep up. And one of the problems that the Oilers have for a team that is, uh, doesn't have the depth that a lot of other teams do, they have to overextend minutes on certain players. And you see in Connor and Leon playing over 22, 24 minutes a night. And when you play three games in four nights... And your top players, you're asking them, and, and Nugent Hopkins, throw him in there too, and Clefbaum and Nurse, you're asking those guys to play a lot of minutes. And eventually, it, they wear down. They just get a little bit fatigued. And when you get a little bit fatigued, all of a sudden that brings them not quite to the other team's level, but close enough that now they can check them. And the Oilers have a number of players on the team that aren't being able to pick up the slack, not being able to produce. And we saw that tonight, that uh, Leon and, and Connor had an, an off night. And when they are not creating momentum and turning the tide in hockey games, well, now all of a sudden the momentum is not just a two or three shifts against the Oilers. We're talking 10, 15-minute spurts where the Oilers were outclassed. So uh, I, I think tonight was uh, fatigue on the part of the main players, the stars of the Oilers, and it certainly showed. Yeah, 7-2, the Blues win it, and I mean, there's very, well, I don't think there's anything good about this game for Edmonton. The Blues were 2-for-6 on the power play. Edmonton was 0-for-1, so they they didn't get power plays, and they didn't score when they had one. I mentioned the shots, 44-17, so it, it was unlikely that a goaltender was going to save this game for the Oilers, but having said that, there were at least three goals that should be stopped by NHL goaltenders. There, there. If you if you go through the box scores every night in hockey games, uh, there are usually at least two games a night where a team gets badly outshot and somehow wins the game. 
and that's a night where a goalie has won a game for him. And there's also a lot of other nights, if you look through, you'll see a 4-2 game or, or a 3-1 game, and the team that won, you know, doubled or tripled the other team in shots, but a goalie gave them a chance. Tonight, Koskinen and Solars afterwards, both of them were, were below average, and the Oilers are not a, a good enough team to have uh, an average goaltending night, let alone a below average one. The Oilers are going to get normally two to three goals out of their top players. And, I mean, McDavid went eight straight games with two points a game. He got Leon. So if they can, if the goalies can keep it to three goals against, the Oilers are in every game. And tonight, as you said, there were three goals that should not have been scored. I mean, there was St. Louis controlled play, but there were three goals that shouldn't have been scored in this hockey game. And now all of a sudden. You're in the third period, you're down one or you're down two. At least you're one shot away from pulling your goalie. So the team was not good from top to bottom, and certainly the goaltending tonight was not up to, to par. They're not going to win many hockey games with goaltending like they had tonight. Well, and sometimes you need your goalie to at least keep it close. I mean, maybe the longer it stays a one-goal difference, the more chance you might tie it up and get a little bit of energy. The, the Schwartz's goal in the first period... Now, he hit his spot, but Koskinen shouldn't be giving him that spot from that angle. I mean, he didn't square up to him at all, and all Schwartz has basically shot it across the front of Koskinen's body Mm -hmm. and into the far corner. Well, he hit his spot, but there shouldn't have been a spot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at that position, when you're a player there, you're looking for a rebound. There's no way you should see uh, net. Uh, So he wasn't squared up properly. There was the one from the slot. I can't remember who scored that one. It was in the high slide. I think it was the th- third uh, goal against. That was the second Schwartz goal. Yeah, yeah Schwartz I mean, was, again. That one was right at Koskinen's it all, body. It, it looked his, like it hit his chest. Lo- it hit yeah. his logo and yeah. went in. And, and that's what, like, we're, we're like, hey, did that really go in? So that was a bad one. And then the one on Stellars went in. That wasn't a good goal either. So there's three goals that shouldn't have got. That was the one maroon from behind the net. Uh, yeah, the, again, the Oilers are a team that gives up a number of grade-A scoring chances. So if your goaltender isn't on top of his game, you don't have a chance. And the games that the Oilers win, Koskinen has been played well, and he's kept them in games when they had dry spells or when the the other team had momentum going. Tonight it was not a good night for Koskinen. And uh, earlier this year, earlier this month, I said that I would play Koskinen every game the remainder of the season as long as the Oilers were in it. Well, he's been pulled two of the last three games. That he has played, or yeah, two of yep. the last three games. So uh, two of the last four. Two sorry. of the last two four. Last sorry, four, yeah. two of the last four, and then the other one he let he gave in up six, six against Vegas. So I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if that's true anymore. You may want to to rest him in one of the next few games because he is uh, he's struggling a little right now. Well, I wonder what the approach is going to be. There are nine games left in the season, and as you and I've been saying, really since there were 18 games left, and they started playing a little bit better that it was still a long shot. We kept mm-hmm. reminding people of that. You know, I kept giving the math. But, I mean, this this to me has a sense of finality. I'm, I'm sure we'll hear from people tonight. You can call 780-496-0063. We've heard some some, some really optimistic people, mm-hmm. which, which, which I appreciate. But, I mean, you again, the Oilers are not good enough to go 9-0. And if they did, they would probably still miss the playoffs. And I think now, I, I real, and you've talked about it a lot, as a player... You go to work. There's two points on the line. Yeah. You can't you can't make up seven points in one night or whatever the deficit is. But I wonder now what the approach is going to be in terms of how players are used. And 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 I would think now there's a stark realism, a stark reality that even the most optimistic 
player or person can't avoid? Well, you did say that when there was 18 games left, they had to go 14 and four. You said they could have four goals left, so there are four losses. Well, that was their fourth loss. <laughs> so, no, two to Toronto, Vegas, New Jersey, and tonight. I thought is that what it is? I thought this was. I thought they had a chance. Nine and zero would have made it 14 and four. On this, uh, in their last I'd 18 games, but it'd be close. It's not, yeah, so yeah. Uh, there's still a chance. <laughs> I, I, although their one percent chance probably dropped tonight on that. Well, big time. Thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would, I would. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna go with the best lineup possible in the next game. They're, they're not gonna deploy their players any differently. Well, they're I'd send go, Curry and Gambardella back. To I would have done that a while ago, but I don't think. I think they're gonna put their best lineup in for the next, the next game. Now, now that might not mean Koskinen. He might not be the best lineup that they can put in next game, but they will. If they were to drop that game, then they can start thinking about other things. But I think they've got to believe that they can go on a run on home ice, and it has to start with a big... The the toughest game they have on home ice is the game on Thursday. That's by far the toughest game against Columbus. You win that, you get a little belief. Uh, Players always believe in themselves, and they still believe they have a chance. So I believe that the coaching staff will deploy the players that they feel give them the best opportunity to win on Thursday night. And I don't see any movement from players going up or down. But I am hesitant to say that Koskinen will be the goalie in that game. Yeah, we might see Stolers more often than we would have thought over the final nine games. I'm not suggesting he would play all nine or anything like that. No, but. no. But I, he may he, he may be their best option for next game, simply because Koskinen, it, it, it's been a struggle for him the last few. Right. And we saw him get pulled... A couple of other times, but he came back mm-hmm. with with good games. Now this is, like you said, three of the last four he hasn't been good. No, and he didn't bounce back from the game in Vegas. I mean, he bounced back from the Leaf games, played better the next games. These weren't bounce back performances. No, he, he, and again, this is not a team that is strong enough to overcome a bad goal. And tonight they couldn't overcome three bad ones. 7-2 St. Louis all over the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Whenever Edmonton scores five or more in a game, you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Thanks to the old Japanese Village goal light on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Edmonton South, downtown Northside, and Sherwood Park. Uh, Some other stats from tonight. So Schwartz gets the hat trick. David Perron gets two. Petrangelo and Maroon also score for St. Louis. Nugent Hopkins, a goal for Edmonton. Cassian, a goal. Sekera, Larson. Now that's still wrong, isn't it? Yeah, it should be Larson and Lucic. Sekera kept the play alive, but he wasn't the Luc- second last player to make a pass. No, Lucic made a wonderful play over to Larson for a one-timer. Bounced off the backboards and Nuge put it in the net, so hopefully I'm, that'll get changed. Change it. But, and Luch got kicked out of the game. Cross check from behind, so he got five in a game at fourteen forty-seven of the third. It, it was the right call, and I would expect him to be suspended. You think that'll be a suspension? I think so. Are you sure, given what we've seen? Yeah, well, hey, by well, the way, did you think Chris Kreider should have been suspended? The uh, yeah, spinning elbow. Yeah, absolutely, uh, should have. Absolutely, that was a that was a more blatant hit to the head than than the the McDavid one or uh, the Giordano one or the uh, last year's Cogliano one. Because when he was doing, there was intent. When a lot of guys come across the middle to throw a hit, uh, there's not the intent. Sometimes they will connect with the chin first, but I don't see intent in that. When you throw a flying elbow 
you know exactly what you're doing. And there was intent to injure on that one. So that one, the credit one, I mean, that was an automatic two-game suspension. And I believe the Lucic one is a suspension as well. Yeah, I mean, there was frustration in him. And it was a, he pushed, the guy's going full speed, and he pushed him into the boards. I, I mean, that is a horribly dangerous play. And I, uh, to me, yeah, that's a, that, that is a no-doubt suspension in my mind. I don't know if it'll be called or not, but I, I would expect I would expect there'll be a hearing, and I, to, yeah, that is a, that is a suspension. Oilers lose seven two to the St. Louis Blues. I just don't know, given like it's it's hard to predict. Because when when I saw the Kreider one, and I thought, well, oh, that's pretty bad. I no, mean, that's he's what, spinning. He I've, knows the guy is behind him. Well, he was doing it on purpose. And he lifted his elbow up to so hit him in the so face. He's either thinking. No, he, if he's I know. Touchdown! I'll miss him, or I'll connect. I'm, tell, I'm telling you exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. He was, he was trying to elbow the guy in the head, and he did. So it should have been a two-game suspension. Seven-two Blues over Edmonton tonight. You'll hear from Hitch as we uh, move along here. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Fred standing by. Hey, Fred. Well, my playoff heart's been ripped out 12 out of 13 years now. And while I was on hold, I got condolences from San Jose and Calgary on missing the playoffs once again. Unbelievable, you guys. That was a terrible effort. Obviously, there's lots of work to do in the off season, but there is a. I think we got the D coming. Uh, would you bring up Marody and uh, Benson? No, for- no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch. Like Rob and I said, we'd send at least two of the three guys that are here back. I let them go on a like, big why, run why down in they, Bakersfield. Then. Why are they even like Hitch isn't playing them? It's not like they've come up and. Well, let's put it this way, Reed. In the game tonight, Gambardella played seven minutes and 56 seconds and who's the other guy and where am i looking for on here uh oh. looking for are you looking for ratty oh yeah and ratty played and ratty played 954 so this is a game that they lost 7-2 and they're not Still playing those players those they're not getting ice time they're not getting over eight minutes playing in a game you lose 7-2 I yeah no I there's not a chance I bring those guys up from the minors. There's no benefit for I them. So I leave them, no. let them down there and enjoy them. They're winning down there. They're yeah. having fun down there. I know that Reed has every once in a while has someone from that team on 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 the air. I know that we've they've talked to Gambardella about it and coming up here and what it's like down there. They are having so much fun. There's such a positive vibe right now. You don't want to have them come up here where, I mean, it's depressing here right now. These guys expected to make the playoffs, and they're not. And again, you're sitting on the bench for 52 minutes a game. No, I'm not, like, you have to keep extra players around. Yep. So Kara was a late scratch. Reader goes in. I mean, you could keep, I guess Malone's been up here quite a while now. You could keep Malone. I'd send Malone down, though, because if Malone's going to play, well, simply, if Malone's going to be in the playoffs down there, if he is. Because well, yeah, remember, Keith told us those guys are yeah. eligible to go so down. So right now, he, he's in the last... How long has been Malone been here? It's been quite a while now. A month? Oh, yeah, he's been here least. longer than that. A month, maybe yeah. six weeks. And in those six weeks, I bet you he's played a total of 30 minutes. So, okay, so the scratches tonight were Kara, who usually would play, yep. Curry and Malone. And then Raddy and uh, went in. I would send Malone down straight away just to get hockey, playing real hockey games again so that he can be effective in the playoffs. If he stays up here for another See, three me, weeks, it's going to be a way. He's going to go down into the minors with two months of no games. Hey, Rob. Yep. I totally agree with uh, the hit on Lucic. He should get suspended for that. I bet that's a couple of games at least. Best part of the game tonight, Cassian and Maroon dropping the mitts. What a fight that was, eh? Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> that's why you keep fighting in hockey. But 
hey, I guess we got to wait till next year. So go Condors, go. Take care, boys. Okay, see you, Fred. That is Fred at 780-496-0063. The Oilers lose 7-2 to the St. Louis Blues. Nine games remaining. They'll host Columbus on uh, Thursday night at Rogers Place, 5.30 face-off show. The game will be at 7. We'll take a quick check of the Town scoreboard here for Advantage Trailer Rentals. Drive away with your newer used trailer, daily, weekly, monthly, and rent-to-own options, AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. Five minutes into the third period, Calgary is leading Columbus 3-1. Late in the third, Dallas up 4-2 on the Panthers. The Bruins pounded the Islanders 5-0. Red Wings beat the Rangers 3-2. Canadians over the Flyers 3-1. Hurricanes in a shootout get by the Penguins 3-2. Capitals over the Devils 4-1. Predators shut out Toronto 3-0. And the Avalanche win 3-1 on the road against Minnesota. WHL tiebreaker game halfway through the second period. It is 1-1 Kelowna and Kamloops. That is the one-game tiebreaker for the last playoff spot. Oh, Columbus just scored, so now 3-2 Calgary. Uh, yeah, they're playing off for the last playoff spot in the BC division to play Victoria. Kamloops started well. They outshot them 17-7 in the first period. Uh, that, I mean, pretty exciting. Exciting time right now. If, if you are a fan of playoff hockey, go check out the Oil Kings. It is fun hockey to watch. Yeah, they've done well. 42-win season. They play 68 games. I mean, they went 42-18-8. They won their last 11. And remember, after they started hot, they had an 8- or 9-game winless slump. Yeah, they too. did. But so Brad La- Brad Lauer's done a great job with the coaching staff there. There's you know, usually, and I don't know the players as well as I used to, but a number of players from the Edmonton area playing for the Oil Kings and stop down. It'll be exciting. Trey Fix Wolanski, uh, great season. Dylan Miskew mm-hmm. in in net. So uh, yeah, they've done uh, they've they've done really well. So hopefully they can get out of their division. If they do, it may be. PA waiting for them, but they got some work to do too, so we'll see. It's going to be fun. 780-496-0063. We have Derek standing by. Hey, Derek. Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. Good. Uh, I got a question. I'm just watching Koskinen this year, and uh, I'm just I'm questioning Dustin Schwartz, goaltending style, and thinking about Laurent Brassois when he was here, and some of the sharp angle goals he let in, and Talbot up high. And whenever the puck's below the goal line, they, the guys appear to be on their knees. And I used to play goal at Saskatchewan Junior, Western Hockey League. played with Graham James, Sheldon Kennedy, Joe Sackick, Tyler Wright, Todd Holt. Um, and then played in Red Deer for a while as well. But I'm just, I'm questioning their style. Like, I mean, I grew up with Billy Ranford and more of a stand-up style. And I get the what they're trying to do. And But you watch Jonathan Quick when he plays that style, and he pushes out whenever they move out from the goal line. He'll push out and he'll lunge forward to take away that shooting angle with a puck trajectory. And he'll take a lot of them in the shoulder. These guys sit back on their knees, on their butt, and they leave that top half open. And I'm just, I, I question his goaltending coaching. Yeah, but that's a good question. I mean, I've, like that. I've, I've talked know. to Kelly Rudy about that too. And, and, and to be fair, Kelly sees it in a lot of other goalies on a lot of other teams. And he isn't a fan. No, Kelly is not no. at all of, of, not either, of that of that approach. Yeah, I mean that's I don't know. Uh, I mean I, I'm not going to BS you. I don't know how much is the goalie coach and how much is the goalie not executing. I know, you know, I, I think I'm not I'm not like an all or nothing guy where something goes wrong and you say now a guy sucks. I, I think Schwartz has worked hard. I think he helped Talbot a lot the year Talbot was awesome. And I think he worked pretty hard with Koskinen out of the preseason because Koskinen could stop, stop a beach ball. Now, is Dustin Schwartz one of the best goalie coaches in the NHL? I don't know. 
Uh, and I, in all honesty, you, you, what's your name? Sorry again, the caller. Derek. You, you probably know more than than Reed and I do about goaltending. So we can tell you when a puck that shouldn't have gone in has gone in. But I can't give you any technical stuff on whether Dustin's doing a great. I think Dustin works hard. I like Dustin a lot. He's a great guy. But as far as goaltending technique and stuff, I know nothing. I just know enough that three of the goals that were scored tonight shouldn't have gone in. But here's another thing. Cam Talbot actually is third in shutouts in the Oilers leaderboard with 12. And Koskinen is 10th with four. Now, I know Scott's not going to be on the line here because he swore he wasn't going to call in. <laughs> so uh, can we give Rob a little trivia here? Yes. And, uh, or Reed, Who leads the Oilers in shadow? Tommy Salo. There you go. I gave hey. that trivia question earlier this year on the face-off show. That's <laughs> all I know, Derek. <laughs> See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone with Tommy. I would have gone with Billy Ranford. Th- isn't Cujo yeah. second? Oh, Billy tied for fifth with Devin Dubnyk, so. Right, and There's another Cu- guy we let go. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> and is Cujo second? Uh, Cujo's second, yeah. Yeah, because well, because the guys post ninety four have more shutouts, right? That's right. And you play, and you played in, in what did you say, I Swift? Western Hockey League, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, good for I you. Did, yeah. Well, but I, but I, but I agree with you. I like that style of and this, like Rob and I said, where I mean, at least Rob played in the NHL. I, I didn't, but so I'm just purely a, an observer, and I've seen goalies from the '80s and then the Waz and Brodeurs. It's that's just a weird style to me, because it's almost like goalies say, "Well, I'm going to do this, and if a guy makes a perfect shot, I guess I'll give it to him." I mean, to me, wouldn't you say like I can kind of stand there and take even well, more than Ed away? And the problem nowadays is the guys can make the perfect shots. You know, if playing that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the guys weren't at as as his skilled. There'd be about four or five guys that could make to hit the spots they want to hit. Now, I mean, guys that are five goal scorers can hit bar down anytime they want. And today, the, sh- the goal out of the corner, Schwartz goal out of the corner. That was there, horrible. There all no, no. Yeah. I mean, you, you, there's no way a shooter yeah. should see any net there. He turned to the goal line. Yep, you're absolutely right. He was facing Shoulders up ice instead of facing the goalie. The, it, like yep, no, good call. Thank you. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. All St. Louis tonight as they roll over the Edmonton Oilers seven two, the final. So that'll be our adjustment of the game. We'll keep an eye on the positioning on some of those shots for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Talbot had more of that problem last season. I'm trying to think. Has I mean, Koskinen? We've seen the goals over the glove. Have we seen? Because to me, the problem for Koskinen has been in some games the glove, certainly on Sunday, and in the preseason, and then tonight, like the pucks that went right at his body, and then all of a sudden they're in. I don't know if he's been beaten from that angle. Well, yeah, there was a stretch where he was getting, because there was the one that got disallowed, that went in, got from the side. Like he, he's, oh, let the in some, one, yeah. he's let in some weird angle goals. And but just the one that he was here, and Derek had made a good point. Like he, his body was facing up ice, and the puck was coming from almost, it wasn't quite a, a ninety degree angle, but pretty close. Yeah. And he 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 didn't look at him. Whereas if if he turns his body, all of a sudden you've got your shoulder width. And you still still should be able to push off to the front if there's a pass, should shouldn't you? Yes. Yes, you should. And but the the bottom line is, you, as a goaltender, and again, this is just from picking up, listening, and, and stuff, not being taught, obviously. But you're supposed to trust your defenseman to take away the pass. 
you're supposed to take the shooter. You're always, as, as a defending player, you're always, okay, do not let the pass get through. Pick up the guy. Let the goalie focus strictly on the shooter. And on that one, he didn't. And uh, I'm not saying that's the goalie coach's fault. That might just be Koskinen made a mistake. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Alex on the line. Hey, Alex. Here. How you doing? How you guys doing? Good. I got to tell you, uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, $4.5 million for the next three years. Was that uh, – okay, get, let me get this straight. Was that Bob Nicholson – taking responsibility when Sorelli got fired around there and said, oh, no, it was part of my thing to sign this guy for three years? Like, I, 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 I'm confused. Like, bring back Victor Fast or bring back uh, something else there. And not only that, but I got a question for you, Rob, after this. But you know what? For all you Leaf fans out there, uh, guess who's cheering for the Bruins? <laughs> <laughs> you betcha. And, and did Daryl Cates ever play hockey? That's the question for Rob. Let's, let's look at his history. Besides Rexall, drugs, whatever, did he ever play hockey? Alex, come on, man. How I, many how many owners of pro sports teams played that sport? I know. You know what I'm there's, saying. There's one I right now. I mean, here's, here's what I will I'm say. Here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he played it very well. Here's what I w- would say about Daryl Cates. He's come in and he spends to the cap. And if you're, if you're a, a general manager of a, of a hockey club, you want money to spend on players. Daryl Cates allows yeah. the. Well, you do. You he spends Brian to the cap. Burke and about everyone listening to Brian Burke, and I know I don't. I disagree with putting Puviarvi in a package and then trying to get rid of uh, the players. But let's face it, like this is not good. No, but that that you can't blame that on the owner. Well, it was hey, I just, it was just a matter of I was just trying to. No, be, no, no. I'm just saying though. I'm I'm making a point where there. no, I agree with I that. Took a fair shot at Daryl Cates. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying as the the one thing that the Oilers have is they have an ownership that will spend to the cap. That is good. Now spending smart is is different, and I don't well, think they've spent hiring smart. the right smart. people to spend. Yeah, the money. they haven't spent it smart, obviously, because they're almost at the no. cap and they're going to miss the playoffs. So I got a question for you, Rob. Yep. And uh, if you were to put on your general manager's hat, and mm-hmm. I hate to put you on the spot, like you've probably been asked this question a million times, and uh, you're a former uh, pro and a, and a great pro of that, saw you play, and uh, fantastic. Thank but you. If you were to put, you're welcome. And if you were to play uh, GM hat, what's what's your call? What do you do? And including the draft, and then I'll hang up. And I like to listen to. You. I love your show. Well, thank you. Um, it, 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 this is tough. It is tough because the Oilers have a lot of needs. They need, I believe, they need a backup goalie that's going to push Koskinen. Uh, because what we've seen this last little while that there are times where your stretches where he doesn't give them the games that they need. So you need someone that's going to push them that you can count on to play 25, 30 games. Now it's going to be hard because you got $4.5 million tied up in your starter, so you're not going to be able to spend a ton of money on your backup. Uh, the defense, you've got to – I don't – they're better with the defense they have than they have been all season long because they're finally healthy. To me, their biggest problem is on the wings. Yet they need somebody they can score. They need to be able to – when he wants to go – Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, Drysaddle, they need to have somebody that they can play with. They don't. That's why you always have to have Leon or Nuge playing wing. The problem for the Oilers is they've got no money. Uh, the problem with the fact they want to move players out, the players they want to move or that have been talked about being moved have no trade clauses, no movement clauses, or limited movement clauses. 
So whatever GM comes in has got to be creative. I know everyone here, all the callers listening know exactly what the Oilers need. Edmonton Oilers management, coaching staff knows exactly what the Oilers need. And every other team in the NHL knows exactly (laughs) what the Oilers need. But and the others don't have the money to go out and get what they well, need. Well, that's uh, and and that's the thing. That's I mean I I I said this earlier this season when we were having this conversation. I don't think the Oilers are going to be much different next year quality wise. Maybe they'll be a little worse. Maybe they'll be a little better. Maybe they'll be the same. And some names that have come up. Okay, Lucic has a no move. Even if you move him, how you're probably going to have to retain money. So then you're still paying him not to play. You're, you're going to have to retain money, and you're going to have to give something an asset up to move to, him. Because if somebody's going to do that. And, and we did have one caller a few weeks ago made a good point. Yep. Maybe you could move him to a team that he might want to go to that wants to get above the cap floor and have some salary. Uh, I mean, people throw out Sekra's name and Russell's name. Fair enough. But I don't know if other teams see Chris Russell as a $4 million defenseman. And I don't think other teams see Andre Sekera as a $5.5 million defenseman. Teams might say, we like Sekera, he makes nifty plays, but he's going to be our fourth or fifth guy. So we're not going to pay him like our second or third guy. Well, right now, Sekera is the number five defenseman on a team that is seven points out of a playoff spot. He plays third-pairing minutes. I think tonight, what did he get? I mean, he has been playing about 13 minutes a night coming into today's game. Late 16. I mean, he's Six, had some good games. 16 today, he got a few minutes more because it was a blowout. But he's he's their third-pairing defenseman. Nobody's going to trade for a third-pairing defenseman that's making $5.5 million a year and does for, what, two more years? One more year? Uh, Sekra's two more. Two more years. Yeah. So that's $11 million. And he has a limited no-move, so he can list. I he, think he can list. One of them can list 10. One of them can list 15. The no-movement isn't as hard. I think it's the fact that you got to find somebody that wants to take $5.5 million on a year. Right. So the, as a GM, I can tell you, and I'm sure that the caller that just talked and asked this question can tell you what the others need. It's a simple fact that they have no money to get the needs they want. And they got players tied up in big contracts that aren't impossible to move, but really close to impossible to move. The next GM has got his work cut out for him. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll be back after the nine thirty news. If you're on hold, we will get to you. Except for Scott in Boston, I can't believe you called in. You, you, we're. I'm called? not putting you on, Scott. I know you can hear me on hold, and you're <laughs> tying up the line for somebody who would want to call. I want to talk to Scott. I miss him. It's been no, two days. No, I'm not putting him on. Uh, let's go. Let's talk to Scott. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. On come the Blues right to left. Shen hits the line, looking, dishing, O'Reilly, Tarasenko is shot, a blocker save made by Stolers. Good. All right, that's the save the game for Jiffy Loop. Get winter ready at jiffyloopservice.ca. And if you missed this one, yes, that was Anthony Stolers as he replaced Miko Koskinen, who uh, allowed three goals on 20 shots, and the Oilers lose 7-2 to the St. Louis Blues. This one was a blowout. It was 4-0 late in the second period. The Oilers got two quick ones. Nugent Hopkins and Cassian both were reviewed to double-check the goal cross, uh, the puck cross the goal line. It did obviously in both situations, and then St. Louis putting it away in the third. Shots in each period, 13-5, 15-8, and 16-4. Yeah, it, it wasn't good. Like, get this, the Oilers literally would have had to score. If they would have scored on every shot they took in the third period, they still would have lost the game. 
it, every stat shows the type of game that it was. It was a game that the Oilers uh, struggled. Their, their best players looked tired, and the Oilers are not a deep enough team to be able to play without their best players being their best players. All right, we have Phil on line four. Phil, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Um, you know what? I've said this many times in the past. A uh, couple of points that I want to bring up, and Derek brought up something that I wanted to bring up with you guys a long time ago, and I said that I was not a big Talbot fan, and the reason was really pointed out by Derek. Derek's got a lot more experience playing goal than what I do, and I see it the same way. And from the first time that I seen Talbot play, I said he spends too much time on his knees. That's the biggest reason that I don't like Talbot, never did. Now, when uh, Koskinen came in, I see that he plays a very similar style. The difference is, is that he's six inches taller, which covers up a, li- a lot more of the top of the net. I still don't like the style. Anyways, um, the other thing that I was going to bring up was, um, you know what, I'm, I, in general I try to be positive. Um, I'm not seeing any, any light at the end of the tunnel this year. And I'm seeing, let's try and look at it through Daryl Cates' eyes. Daryl Cates is a money guy, okay? Dollars and cents. He's giving Nicholson, who is in charge of the Oilers, all the rope he needs. They're, they spent the cap. They're not getting the results. It's the playoff games where Cates makes money, Okay. Is Kate's going to step in and say, you know what, Nicholson, you're out of here. Put in a dollars and cents guy to in that position to oversee the general manager to keep an eye on the dollars and cents. Daryl's looking at it and saying, you know what, I'm giving you all the rope. You got, you're spending all the money, and we're being embarrassed by teams that are spending $15 million less. Daryl sees that $15 million as his money. But but didn't the others get rid of the guy that got them in the trouble with salary? Well, in, in one respect, yes. He was the general manager, but he's, he's obviously overseen by Nicholson. Nicholson's top dog, general manager's second, right? No, well, no. I mean, they, we actually had a thing today with, with Bob Nicholson, and one of the questions we asked was Peter Shirelli, did he have someone over his shoulder, or were every decision that he made his and his only? Was Did he well, have final say? And they said that he had final say on every decision that was made. Well, if, if this is the result that we get, then maybe the guy, top dog, okay, I mean, Kate's is top dog, but the guy that he puts in place uh, for, the, for Nicholson's position should have the power to... Uh, bring the general manager into the room and say, hey, uh, you know, we've got dollars and cents here and the owner isn't going to be too happy about spending the dollars and cents and not well, seeing the result. Well, let me put it this way to you, Phil, and I, I understand what you're saying, but Bob Nicholson actually is not a hockey guy in terms of evaluating talent and picking players and all that kind of stuff. He's, he's an executive. That's what he did at Hockey Canada. And that's what he did with the Oilers. So he p- hired Peter Shirelli pretty quickly after the Oilers won the lottery uh, because he was available. So it's his job now to interview people and and pick the next guy. So it's not necessarily his job to meddle in the hockey operations decisions because that's not his 
forte. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, like yeah. I, I have, you know, I have superiors who never did my exact job, so I will get guidance from them, but they're not going to meddle in the specifics of what I'm doing day to day. They hired me because they trust me to do it. Okay, but, but no, looking at it through Daryl's eyes, okay, being a dollars and cents guy and, and saying, hey, you know what, uh, there's teams out there that are embarrassing us, Phil, look, I'm just cutting you off because you're repeating yourself. It all comes down to hiring the right general manager who's then going to make yeah. the right decisions about and, and the, so, the, so they fi- So they fired the GM, the one that made the mistakes. That's all they could do. They could they fired him. And, and now they're going to look for someone that can make do be, make better decisions. Who answers to Daryl Cates? Who answers? Everybody does. He's the owner. Well, does Daryl Cates, I mean, does, does, does Daryl Cates have Ken Hitchcock's phone number even? If he wants it. Again, the owner can talk. The owner, run, it's his team. But he can do whatever but, but he wants. Nicholson also said yeah, it, you know at these. You know what, guys? I run a small business myself. Mm-hmm. Okay? I understand how business works. And that's why I'm looking at it and saying what I'm saying and saying this is how a dollar and cents guy, which Daryl Cates is. Okay? Now, Daryl went through the hoops and, and got taxpayers' money to build a new arena and everything. And we're getting no playoff games, and playoff games are dollars and cents. Well, right, and I'm sure, obviously he's thought of that. I mean, so then he, he goes to, to Bob Nick. So playoffs. then he goes to Bob Nicholson. I don't like the guy you hired, so we're going to get a new guy to do that that yeah. job. But you do not want an owner involved in hockey decisions. No, not not, not meddling. No, no, want, yeah, you don't want him at all. You you want the the owner's going to hire owner. people. He's going to hire. He hired Bob Nicholson to come in and clean up what he thought was a mess. And Bob Nicholson came in and made the decisions he made. And obviously the yeah. Peter Shirelli decision didn't work out. And they yeah, fired yeah. him. We're, yeah. we're in a more of a mess now. Oh, well, yeah, we're, and they, yeah, and and they Phil, fired him. And Phil, we're, we're not disagreeing with you uh, evaluation-wise. We can tell you that Bob Nicholson is, is not going to be fired. We realize some people feel that way. But, I mean, he's, he's, he's going through this process. So that, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, a couple points here. Uh, Talbot is six foot four, only three inches shorter than Koskinen. I thought it was six. And I, I will, I, I, I'll accept your apology for laughing at me all the time when I kept telling you that the Oilers were not going to make the playoffs, and you kept telling me I was being too negative. I will accept your apology. Hey, hold out. They're not out yet. Hold out. Don't, don't apologize yet. They still just, got nine games. I'm just games. bugging you, Phil. But that's the bleakest you've sounded in a while. Well, you know, like you know, I try and stay positive because positive breeds positive, right? Yeah, but I wasn't and, being and, negative. I was being realistic. I told you this was very likely inevitable. Yeah, well, I, this is when there was 25, 30 games left, and, and now there's only 10 games left. Now I mean, now that we're staring at it right in the face, right? I know, Phil. I like Buggy. That, was, that wasn't like a friendly apology, guy. And, but it's probably about as close as you're going to get from me. <laughs> See you, buddy. Later. That's Phil. Oilers lose 7-2. It was bad. Here's Hitch. Not to take anything from away from St. Louis, they were outstanding. Uh, they played a real good team game, but we're running on fumes. We need to get home and see if we can get some rest and get playing. There's, we're banged up and there's not much left of us, and uh, we just need to regroup and get ready for the homestand. So it's a tough loss. The fifth goal, we spent a lot of energy coming back in the game. The fifth goal was the killer for us. We... Uh, you know, you can't, against a good team like that, you can't take a penalty 200 feet from your net. And uh, and then we couldn't get it killed. We couldn't get the face-off one. So uh, I applaud us for coming back in the game, coming back hard in the second period, mounting a big comeback. But uh, 
But like I said, the fifth goal really hurt us a lot. Shots in the first half. No, I don't. They did. They, 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 their, their tenacity to defend and their speed to defend and their depth. They're able to play four lines. They got guys playing on their fourth line that were second line players a year ago. So they got, they got great depth there. That we're running in teams that have all kinds of depth and we're getting exposed right now. So we just need to go home and regroup. No, I just, uh, you know, like it's halfway through the game, it's three goals going in and, you know, there's there's lots of goals going in. It's just, there's too many goals going in, so you're just trying to stop the lead. Um, your team, um, bad starts. Yeah, I, that's, that's on us. That's on the coaches. That's on our preparation uh, for the players. So that's something we've got to address. And it, it starts with me. I've got to get the team more ready at the start of games here. This is the last couple of games we haven't been ready for the level so not sure why but we'll f fix that when we get home. It's just one of those games they did a really good job with Connor and Leon. Oh they're, they're good. they do that they do that on anybody. I saw the same job they did done uh, in, on, in Buffalo I saw the same job they've done a number of times. They, they, yeah they just they just check. They check so hard they turn it over and then they attack it. Okay? Alright that's Hitch uh, Oilers pounded 7-2 by the Blues tonight. Well, he was asked about not having a good start. They also did not have a good just after the start, then the middle, then the part after the middle, then the start of the third period, then the middle of the third period, then the end of the third period. I, never, I know that in the first period they didn't have a shot for the first seven minutes, first eight minutes of the second, and I don't think they had anything at the beginning of the It was their... a long time for the third. Yeah, I didn't mark that down tonight. Usually I write that down. Guess I wasn't on my game either. <laughs> we have Adam on line seven. Hey, Adam. Hey, how's it going? Doing well, buddy. Hey, I wanted to ask you guys a quick question here. Um, I know we get a lot of flack from our defense, and we're finally healthy, and so we finally have our full defense. But it seems like um, it's a systemic problem with our wingers that our defense can't get the puck out because we can't get the wingers, or the, can't, the puck can't get up to the wingers. So it seems like to me that it's a coaching issue, though, because... Hitchcock, uh, Todd before him and before that, why are all of our wingers, like, they don't cover the points anymore? They're coming in too low. Uh, they're not coming up high enough. They're not coming towards the boards. If you're watching, when we have possession, even, like, when we don't have possession, it's one thing, but when, even when we get possession, they're not even getting towards the boards at the hash marks. They're coming into, like, the hash marks on the inside of the circle. And I don't understand what they're covering. If you watch... Yeah, Rob's them, got you here, Adam. Hang on. Well, yeah. almost every team in the National Hockey League comes back to the house defensively. They're, they're, they yeah. make... So that's how you do... The problem for the Oilers' wingers, they probably are not as quick. They're slow. Um, that they have, the wingers aren't quick enough that when the, there's a transition and they got to get from the middle to their boards, they're not quick enough to get there. They're getting beat there, and that's why the Oilers aren't getting the puck out. All right, Adam, we're going to finish the play. You ready to go? Sure. All right, what do we have here, Kellen? Cassian eventually reels it in. Sharp angle. He'll drag it behind the net. Backhand wraparound. Backhand wraparound. Did that one count, Adam? It counted. Cassian eventually reels it in. Sharp angle. He'll drag it behind the net. Backhand wraparound, and that's in. Cassian getting a goal late in the second period. Put the Oilers within 4-2, so Adam... Gets an eight-day parking pass at EIA, courtesy Jet Set Parking. Best price on Edmonton Airport parking. Book online at jetsetparking.com and self-park as low as $5.98 per day with the promo code CHED. He also gets his name into the grand prize draw 
for Fast Track Indoor Karting, Safe Adrenaline Pumping Fund, FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. I, I thought that was a really good question about Adam. And we talk about the Oilers adding speed and skill. And I think, Rob, well, for me, and I think for a lot of people, when you f- hear those words, the first thing that pops in your mind is offense. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that also hurts the Oilers defensively. Like you said, speed to thinking, okay, I'm going to cover this area, but but I know I'm quick enough that I can at least tie a race to the puck over there and tie my guy up or maybe chip it out. And skill, a big part of skill in hockey is puck handling. Mm-hmm. When you're When you take a pass up the wall from a defenseman in your own end, can you control it, look, get it, skate it out, chip it by without, oh, fumbling it. Oh, I shot it into a four-checker's body. Oh, here we go back again. And, I, and add one more to it is hockey IQ. So you'll know when to turn your body to protect the puck, when to come lower, when to go higher, how to read where the puck is going to go. And a lot of it is just reading the play. All right, Benning's going to pick up the puck there. He's a right-handed shot. His first play and most obvious play is he's going to rim it that way. So now I know to get here. Okay, that's Sacre. He's a lefty. He's going to be on his back end. He's probably going to want to make a direct pass. So now I want to stand here and keep myself away from the defenseman up there. So reading the plays and everything. I mean, the others have got a lot of guys, and you and I have talked about it that are spent majority part of the season in the minors and these guys are playing in the national hockey league the play is faster up here teams that are ramping it up yeah so they're they're playing uh, at a much quicker pace than they're normally used to and there's a reason that they spent a lot of time in the minors so yeah they just don't read the play as quick and they're not as quick to get to where they need to be, and thus it gets the Oilers into trouble. All right, 7-2 for the Blues. We have uh, Ellie on the line. Ellie, go ahead. Hello? Sorry, so it's Elmer, not Ellie. That's okay. Oh, Elmer? Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. Go ahead. Not a problem. Uh, Phil missed a point. You're not going to hire a general manager. You're going to find one that's going to take the job if he's got somebody telling him what to do. You're absolutely right. You're right, and that's one of the things we talked to Bob Nicholson about today. And no, you're if someone's always looking over their shoulder after every for every decision they have to make, no one's going to take that. They have to know that when they make a decision, it's their decision and their decision only. And Bob Nicholson assured us today um, for your your buddy in Boston in 1957. There was two of the rookies of the year came in. Mahovlich won rookie of the year. Bobby Hall was second. But who was leading the scoring race at the halfway point? He got injured so, without the rest of the so year. Is this at a, the halfway point, he was leading. Is this another trivia question? Yeah. Is this turning into a thing now? In 1967? Wow, what do we win, man? Seven, like, everybody's asking us all these questions. What, what do Rob and I win, Elmer? So, Mahovlich <laughs> and Hall, but someone else was leading score. Rocket Richard? No, no. Well, Rocket was long gone before that. Oh, I, honestly, you got me. I have no idea. You would never guess. He was from Montreal. Well, no, we're not going to guess. You're right. <laughs> Howie Morenz? <laughs> well, I thought this was for the, the guy in Boston, but it was from the, the tough guy in Montreal. Which one? Um, he was general manager. Serge, 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 oh, John Ferguson? Oh, and Ferguson, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. I, yeah, yeah, you could. You got happened, us. Uh, is he was getting on the ice. He had his hand on the railing, and a guy jumped over, and the skate cut the back of his wrist and uh, cut the tendons. He felt the rest of the year. But at the halfway point, he was leading the scoring. Well, I did not Elmer, know that. why have you not called us before? You're very energetic. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. You guys take care. Thanks. See ya. El- one nothing, Elmer. He got us. I had no idea. That was, yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that was good. Good on Elmer. Thanks, Elmer.
All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have John. John, were you at the game tonight? Yeah. Yes. I. Yeah. I'm seeing ticket holder here in St. Louis. Yeah, I think you've so, called this before. Uh, How are you doing? I, I have actually. Yeah, I've, I've called. I, I. I like to. I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully well. I'm doing well. Uh, well, <clears throat> yeah. I like to. As I said before, I and I'm a hockey fan first. I'm a Blues fan second. Uh, but uh, obviously, Blues season ticket holder, and so <laughs> obviously that's my team. But at the same time, every time I see the Oilers, I, I'm always struck by, and I look at the kind of dichotomy. It might be might sound kind of I don't know cliche, uh, I guess. And by the way, I was a, a long time goalie coach as well, so we could talk about the goaltending issues tonight and <laughs> and in general for quite a while. Um, <clears throat> but 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 the bigger picture of it, I, I think I look back with the way the Blues started this season and how bad they were. I mean, I, we sat through some really horrible games this year. Yeah. And and the biggest thing that I was struck by, obviously we had very talented players like Ryan O'Reilly, who have been good all year long, but they were definitely not playing as a team. And every time I see the Oilers, I, I'm, I'm always stunned and amazed. I was on my friend on the way out tonight who's not, he, loves, he goes to games with me a lot, but he's just not as knowledgeable about hockey per se. I said, I, I said, I actually feel bad for you because every time you feel like you know, and I, I told him how you know you guys have won a lot of Stanley Cups years a number of years ago. He goes, Wow, it's going a long way. I said, Well, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I'm always struck, struck by the fact that they are a group of at times extremely talented individuals. Obviously, one of them being the most talented player probably in the game today, but. Rarely do I see them put together an entire game as a team, and and I thought that's why I said maybe cliche. I thought obviously we got a lot of experience with Hitchcock. I thought him coming in kind of might change a lot of that. Um, I don't know if it's just maybe the maybe I'm overestimating the, the player personnel on the ice, maybe. But to me, it seems like I, they're just never on the same page, hardly. And, yeah. And, well, you know, well I'll just I'll just jump in there, John. When, when the Oilers play poorly, and we've seen it a lot the last couple of years. Uh, they look disorganized and they look tentative. Yeah, and I you. think yeah, absolutely. I think there's several things on that. I mean, Rob and I have talked about. They have some players, especially up front, that aren't shouldn't be in the NHL, and that's not their fault. And then I think they have games like this or stretches where the confidence goes. And confidence isn't everything, but anybody, any athlete will tell you. I mean, Colton Pareko I interviewed. He said they they kept they stayed confident the whole time. They believed they were going to turn it around. Um, do the Oilers believe? I don't know. I mean, they they they're trying to, but I don't know if deep down they really really do. The difference between St. Louis and and Edmonton, St. Louis has done it year after year after year, so they can fall back on the confidence they've done it before. Right. Where the Oilers don't have that confidence. Like you don't like when the Oilers get like this. You, like when Drysaitel was on that heater. When he got the puck, he he looked like he thought he was going to score. Like, even watching from the press box, it was like, he's going. Mm-hmm. He knows he's going to make a play. But it's rare you see that from the Oilers. So that's I think that's it, one of many factors, John. Well, when it comes to the confidence level, I guess you would harshly look at Hitchcock for that. I mean, he's not on the ice, obviously. But then does it come down to... Just strictly a like a like I said a, a player personnel. You know, I, I know you talked about, and I, you guys know obviously a lot more about it than I do. I know more about the Blues, but as far as you know, I know the Lucic contract. I know, you know, obviously that's been talked about a lot. Yeah, I think player but personnel is the biggest issue. Like a coach can make an impact, 
but a coach isn't going to improve your team by 15 wins. I mean, he can impact games, and he can impact expectations and habits. But, uh, but I mean, look, Todd McClellan was one game under 500 as head coach this year. Do you know what Hitch is now? I don't actually know, one, but I, I was one good game for a under while, 500. That's <laughs> nice. It was good for a little while, and then kind of dropped off, I guess. But yeah, so, yeah. All right. Well, I, I'll I'll keep watching and keep listening, and I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, hopefully, we'll see you guys down the road somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to hear from you, John. John calling from uh, St. Louis Blues fan, and he feels for the Oilers. Mm-hmm. And he should. Yeah. Well, they got trampled tonight. It wasn't a good night. It was I mean, a tough night. Tell, for the you could tell early. You get you get tell early tonight where it's like oh oh the, where is this going? The, the Oilers' best players that they re- rely on so so heavily looked fatigued tonight. Three games and four nights, and hauling a, a team on their back. And tonight they just ran into a, a St. Louis team that was fresher. Yeah. And they clamped down. Ryan O'Reilly, Bo Meester, those guys did an incredible job on dry settled McDavid. And the Oilers aren't a deep enough team to to have dry settled and McDavid be human. They need them to be superhuman to win hockey games. Well, first time since January 19th, neither guy has got a point in a game. And, I mean, they, they rely so heavily on, on mm-hmm. those two players. Yep. Like, so heavily on those two players. And when they're shut out in a, in a game, normally or usually, they're going to be on the wrong side of the score. All right. We have... Tony, Joanne, Angelo, Carson, and Terry on the phone line. We will uh, get you in after the 10 o'clock news. I can tell you that our next Oilers broadcast is on Thursday night. The Oilers are going to play the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have been beaten tonight by the Calgary Flames. The Flames uh, winning that one 4-2. They had another goal disallowed. (laughs) One of the most obvious offsides you'll, you'll ever see. The puck went out to center. I think it was Hamannick shot it back into the empty net, and there were like two Flames 20 feet offside. Uh, and in that WHL tiebreaker game, it is 1-1 five minutes into the third. Kelowna and Kamloops will keep an eye on that one. Oilers Hockey is presented by Osmond Auction. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. It is 10.04. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. 7-2 St. Louis pounding Edmonton tonight. Jaden Schwartz had a hat trick. Nugent Hopkins and Cassian scoring for the Oilers, who sink to 32-34-7. On the season, Joanne is calling in tonight. Hello, Joanne. Hi. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing quite well. How are you? Well, I'm okay. Two quick questions. Do you think we're going to have to keep Costanen for three years? Yes. And yes. Second, they, well, yeah, they have to. And second, could McDavid ask for a, a trade? Could he? He well, yes. Sure he could. Yeah. I don't. I don't Anybody believe he can. I don't believe he will. I, he could. I don't think he will. Okay, how long has he been here? This Four is his years. fourth year. Oh, dear me. Okay. <laughs> okay, thanks very much. All right. I'm going to say something here. Connor McDavid is not going to ask for a trade. He's not going to get traded this summer. He is not going to give up... <coughs> and ask for the Oilers to trade him. Now, three, four years down the road, if the team continues to be horrible, I don't know what's going to happen. This summer is not going to happen. He wants to be part of the solution. team. He's committed here. He signed here. He didn't sign here to give up. 
And you have to remember something. And Rob, you and I talked to people who are very frustrated, angry, hurt, upset by the quality of the team that the Oilers have had for a long time. And it's bad. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I'm not excusing it. But Connor McDavid has not been through that. Connor McDavid has been through a rookie year where he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And even if he had been healthy, the expectation was not that the Oilers would make the playoffs nope. that year. Then they made the playoffs, and now he's been through two very disappointing years. He knows the problems around the team, but he's not sitting there plotting a way out of Edmonton. Now, again, I, if, if they're horrible enough for another three or four years, I don't know. But a lot of this stuff is generated by media people and fans in other markets. And I get it, because the Oilers are an easy target. And a lot of the mockery that is directed at them is, quite frankly, deserved. I mean, hey, I make fun of the Cleveland Browns. Well, that's the level that the Oilers have been at, but in a different league. So that's what happens. That's the discussions that happen in sports. But there's also been a lot of, let's face it, Toronto-based writers who I hesitate to call national writers, even though that's what it says on their pay stubs, because they're not actually national. They just write about Toronto stuff and take shots at other Canadian markets. So they've been saying, well, you know, you had Bruce Arthur and Steve Simmons and guys like this saying, well, let, he, he should ask for a trade. He deserves better than Edmonton and all this kind of stuff. Well, I mean, first of all, they're just spouting off on Twitter and saying what's on their mind in that spur of the moment. But it, and it panics Oilers fans, but it's not based on fact at all. So you, you, have, to, you have to remember that. And, and, and I'm not saying that you should be happy where the Oilers are at, and I'm not, I, I realize that you as Oilers fans are, are hurt, and I get it. And trust me, I, Rob and I do this after games, and this doesn't end for us when we go home or in public. We hear this constantly in other areas of our lives as well from people who are upset. So absolutely understand it. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's really bad. Like, it's really bad. Winning in the NHL is hard, but the Oilers have made it look impossible. And that's, it's shocking, really. But it doesn't mean Connor McDavid is going to ask for a trade this summer. He is not. So you just have to calm down about it. And I'm just going to tell you something else. And you know what? Bruce Arthur is a great writer. He's won Sports Writer of the Year. I've met the guy. He's very nice. But on trade deadline day, to fill time, they're doing a little panel discussion about which team five years from now might be the best team. And their presence, their premise was... You know, by that time, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Toronto will probably be past their window, and which of the other four NHL teams will be the best. And uh, Bruce Arthur said, well, Edmonton has Connor McDavid, but their prospect system is a mess as well. When he said that, the Bakersfield Condors had won 15 games in a row, and they won a couple more after that. So you have to keep that in mind. These guys are not sitting there following the Edmonton Oilers on it. So that's what I mean. It's very easy to make fun of everything about the Edmonton Oilers. And some of it is justified. But for a guy who's supposedly a national sports writer who should know a lot of different stuff, to say that a team's prospect system is a mess when the farm team has won 15 games in a row and is actually in better shape than it's been in a long time, it kind of destroys a chunk of that person's credibility. We have Carson on line four. Go ahead, Carson. Hi, guys. I didn't uh, watch the game tonight. I'm just watching the Blazers, the tiebreaker in the WHL right now. Oh, good stuff. Still 2-1? 
Uh, no, there's, they've scored four in the third here. It looks like they're going to cruise through. Is it 5-1 now? Uh, 4-1, I think. 4-1, yeah, four okay. One, sorry. Okay. Uh, to, well, the question I need, I don't know so much a question, but going for next year, when I look at, obviously, the offense, there's a lot been made that we need to add some pieces and move. But the more I look, and I guess for Rob, more question for you, is it the back end that more is required for the puck possession, puck movement to create the offense or from the offense? Because when I look at that back end, the more I watch it more carefully, it's like this is not uh, indicative of what's going to be successful in this NHL. I mean, the more I watch Charnell Nurse, I get more concerned that he can't play more than 20 minutes a night. He's just IQ for the game. It's, it's not there. So <laughs> addressing which one is more priority I guess is my question there. So between the back end and wingers, is yeah, that like I know we know we need pieces on both, but like well, I, when Sakura came back, it was a breath of fresh air. But mm-hmm. I well, look and I'm thinking we need more of that because I don't see Clefbaum, Larson, or Nurse being adequate puck movers. Especially, like I'm really concerned. Nurses, that's that that has not been a good player for the past little while, and I don't see that improving going forward. But. Here, I don't know. I just look at that going forward, and I have a question. So, in, in a perfect world, the Oilers are able to move one to two contracts off their back end, and then they have a, a whole group of young defensemen pushing for spots next year, such as a Caleb Jones. What's the kid's name from Sweden? Pearson? Yeah, Joel Pearson. Pearson from from Sweden. Evan Bouchard. So they've got a whole bunch of young, uh, more skilled, uh, better skaters. Uh, puck distributors coming up and they could push for jobs but they need to move defensemen out of the lineup. They move, need to move contracts for that to happen. If they can move those contracts, they bring in younger, cheaper players to play on the back end. Now you've got money freed up and you can go find some wingers. I, I, I guess what I was getting at like to contribute to the, like we got the talent up front some of these guys and what will create more offense? Prioritizing the puck possession and puck movement from the back end? Better or better players. That's so, what I mean, up back but end. Which, or you say which, uh, which position? Well, the, uh, the, I, I think they need more better players up front. Because right now you've got three players. Uh, Cassian has been a revelation. I think he's played very, very well. So now you, you can put it at four. Jason has slowed down considerably. I think you sign him at a, 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 a much less... At a good price point, and then he's a, a third line guy and plays on your power play. But until they fill the wings and allow, uh, you know, Connor McDavid and, and Leon Draisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins to be the best they can be, like whoever's not playing with Connor struggles. If it's Leon with two wingers that he's got right now, he's not going to produce. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, when he's not playing with Connor, not going to produce because they they have no one to play with. So right now, the biggest. And this is something that Reed and I talked about right in training camp. The biggest uh, detriment or, or, or X against the Oilers right now is depth scoring. And they need to find a way to move some salaries out so that they can bring some forwards back yeah. in to help out. I, I just look at that D group and I start to get concerned going forward that you know, even if you bring in forwards, is that back end with the pieces? Well, like they, oh, that's, but this, that's, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he's that's fair, but that's why I'm saying. One. But that's what you told me to pick one forge is number one, and the other oh, okay. way, to, and the only way to do that is by moving back end out. 
because you can't bring forwards in unless you move away some contracts. So you move a couple contracts off your back end out, you bring in some younger, faster, skilled players to play on the back end. It helps you contract-wise, and it's also the type of player the Oilers are looking for. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Carson. Good. Appreciate it. 7-2 Blues win tonight. We have Robert on line two. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, guys. Just one thing I want to say. You're running late. As long as Connor McDavid is with this organization, you'll never, ever, ever get a shot at a Stanley Cup. Never happen. Excuse me? You think, Con- you think Connor's the problem? As long as Connor McDavid is playing with this organization here at Edmonton, he'll never get a shot at a Stanley Cup. I can't make it any plainer than that. Well, yeah, but are you saying that Connor's a problem, or are you just saying the organization's a problem? Well, what do you think? Well, you're not making well, any I, sense. Well, Robert, I don't know. So you you just said that it. he's never going to win a Stanley Cup here. So how does that translate in the fact that you think that I'm saying Connor McDavid is the problem? Are you, did you not hear my question or my statement? You said as long as Connor McDavid plays for the Oilers, they won't win the Stanley Cup. So to me, it sounds like you're saying that if he's on the roster, they can't win. Well, I don't understand you. I don't know what you're smoking. Of course I mean the club. Well, that's that's why I asked you the simple question. I don't question. even think you had to ask me that. Well, but you're the one that came in and just said as you're long not... as Connor plays here, the Oilers are never going to win a Stanley Cup. No, I said that's not what I said. I said he will never see a Stanley Cup. Well, on the... the Oilers, I said he is long. My point is they're rotten. They're not going to get anywhere. Uh, they should have done what the, uh, uh, the guy that got traded, he left. He wouldn't sign with the Nordiques. What the hell was his name? Anyway, Eric Lindros? Eric Lindros? Yeah, and he flat out... him. And and did, did, did Eric Lindros ever win a Stanley Cup? No. They but the Nordiques the organization moved to Colorado and did. The, the uh, Nordiques got a whole team, a whole team of good hockey players. That's so, so, it worked, so it worked out better for the organization then? Well, let me ask you this. Can you see... Would you not agree that as long as he's stuck... In this quagmire here, he's playing with this group in Edmonton. Do you like his chances of ever getting a Stanley Cup? Do I think he can? Do I think the Edmonton Oilers can win a Stanley Cup with Connor McDavid here? Yes, I do. Oh, well, how do you base that on? I'm basing on the next GM comes in and does a better job than the previous well, one. We've been hearing this story for the last nine years, and you guys in the media just got all excuses. We need. I've not. I've never made an oh, excuse. Robert, what Robert excuse did I make? You asked me. You asked me a simple. You asked me a simple question. I, I didn't just, make any excuse. You asked me a simple question, and I said I yes. I came from the Nashville Predators building uh-huh. uh, in, in uh, Nashville, and the atmosphere is totally different. You would not believe it, though. They're just a complete opposite. But what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Because they're all happy, and we won't see that as fans. As long as McDavid... Really? We saw it two why, years ago. Why are you so negative about everything, Robert? Like, what's your problem? Why am I so negative? They haven't done it for the last nine years. Robert, why I'm going to tell I you something. Be- you just swore on the air. You, you called oh, no. in. Oh, you, my God. I'm sorry. You, 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 you can't swear on the radio. You know that. You're not oh. making any sense. Oh, you're, I'm yelling for, you're yelling for no reason, and Lots you're being very rude. What you, how, are you be, how are you yelling? What did we do that made you want to yell? What did I say? You ask, you've asked two questions, and you get you mad when I answer. You guys got to get your head screwed on. Why? What? McDavid's not. McDavid is never. You know what? You don't think his parents would like to see him out of this mess? You don't think? How do you know he doesn't want to be traded? He, has, you, he hasn't asked to be traded. You, how do you know that? Pierre Lebrun wrote that he doesn't want to be traded. And Pierre oh, yeah. Lebrun probably well, talked to his agent. I'd like to be a fly in the wall when he's having dinner with mom and dad. And are, you, are you an Oilers fan or are you just calling in to troll Oilers fans? Why would you not think I'm an Oilers fan? Because you've been quite negative. Well, I have reason to be. What have they what? done in the last nine years? That's frustrating. Well, two years ago they why, were really you, good, so there's one. Why are so hard? Oh, yeah, they've been really, really good. Yeah, they're nothing but a wonderful organization. They're doing really well. Thank you.
He needs a hug. Yeah, Robert needs a hug. Robert needs a hug. <laughs> All right, Tony, go ahead. Okay, first of all, shout out to that guy for being probably the worst, probably the worst caller of this whole season. No joke. I hope you heard that. Um, it's like, like I had a few points tonight, and I'm not going to be as negative as this guy because honestly, that guy just really brought my my blood my blood blood pressure. Um, the one the one the one thing I've been noticing is that Koskinen has been like in the on the first goal, he was way out of the net, and the guy completely geeked him out. Like six foot seven guy shouldn't be that far out of the net. But that would like honestly, Koskinen. You know what? Bad game, whatever. Um, the thing that I've been wondering is, um, is the fact that when it comes to like when it comes to this team, the new GM's going to be coming in and he's going to fix whatever PC whatever PC did. But it seems like you know. I remember a few years ago we were looking for right-hand defenseman. We got one in Adam Larson. He hasn't really produced all that much, and now we're looking for wingers. It seems like every time that we, how would you per se, every time that we're looking for something, we always end up lacking on something else. Yeah, and that's when a team isn't when the team has very little depth, and they move one guy out. Well, they just created another hole. I mean, Peter Shirelli made mistakes. He lost his job because of it, and the next GM's got to come in and fix it. That's and all there I want, is. And I and I want to make a one shout one shout out. Um, earlier this earlier either this week or last week. I was on TSN, and they actually asked Craig Button on TSN, what will McDavid do? He said that McDavid will not ask for a trade out of Edmonton because when he first signed this concept that he did, he said that he wants to be a part of the solution, and he doesn't, like, he's not going to just going to bail. Yeah, okay, you know what, the Oilers aren't going to be good this season, or, next, or the, yeah, the rest of the season, but that doesn't mean that, you know, with this new GM, that he's going to do the exact same thing because everyone I've talked to said that us bringing in P- Peter Shirelli was a, the worst decision we've made. And for any Oilers fan, a true, any true Oilers fan, anyone who anyone who knows this, McDavid will not ask for um, a way out until he knows that there is no like, unless if he's in it, like he's out of his prime and he still hasn't won a cup because McDavid. Is the most, and I've, yeah. and I've okay, you know what? I, I, Reed just talked about there. I don't think there's any reason to talk about Connor McDavid asking to be traded. Simple, simple as that. Because it, it, it hasn't happened, so why talk about it? I'm trying to think of how many hockey players over the years have asked to be traded because the team was struggling. I can't think of one off the top of my head. No. I, I asked to be traded once, and I got traded. Where were you? I was in Hartford. Was it because the team was struggling? No, because <laughs> I wasn't very good in Hartford. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, uh, Terry, I assume you're going to tell us that Darnell Nurse lost the game single-handedly? <laughs> <laughs> good call, fellas. No, there's some uh, more twisted logic involved here tonight. Okay. Uh, I've been listening to some of these crackpots. Uh, <laughs> listen to this one. They can't defend. They can't attack. Other than that, they're pretty great. Yep. I put on my Punch Imlac hat, and I sit there next game, and I dress uh, Gravel and Petrovic, and if I could find another defenseman, I dress a ninth one. I mean, who's going to miss some of those forwards if you scratch them? And finally, Brownie, yep. you know, if you would have um, uh, stopped covering for uh, Mario in his end, <laughs> uh, you too could have had a $10 million house in Quebec. You know what? I, I, I was born way too early, way too early. 
Did he but ever invite you by for a cup of tea at I least? Used, I used to go to his house on Christmas Eve every year when I was in Pittsburgh. <laughs> he had, it was funny. He had a, a, a room in his house where he kept his Christmas presents, and there was like a room like the size of it, this big dining room. He had like a thousand Christmas presents in it. He wow. was, Mario, Mario was a really, really cool guy, and I was very, very fortunate to have had a chance to play with him. <laughs> good for you, man. You guys have a good night, eh? Okay, see you next time, Terry. Okay, uh, we're going to get in as many people as we can. When are we done, Kellen? In two and a half minutes? Okay, uh, we'll get Johnny in. He's been waiting. Johnny, go ahead. Hey, uh, Irene and Rob. I got, it took Ovechkin 13 years to win the Stanley Cup, and this crackpot is going off about all McDavid can't win you. Well, people said that about Ovi. Guess what happened? Yeah, good point by you. Great point by you. Going back to Darnell Nurse, he's been caught up in the play enough times this year. Why doesn't Hiscott throw him on a forward unit? Like, we got the sense <laughs> of the minors that could do something. Like, he's fast, he's got a good stick, he can think the game as a forward. That's what I think. That's just my take. Have a good night, guys. Thanks, thanks, Johnny. We appreciate you. I don't know if guys are going to uh, change positions. Um, it's not easy. But, I mean, Nurse is struggling. A lot of guys have struggled a lot, especially the last, three of the last four games. They've allowed six or seven goals. Yeah, I mean, where the, where the others are where they are in the standings because of players having struggling seasons. Yeah. I mean, because they've got five guys having career years. So that means the rest of the group isn't going very well. All right. Uh, if you're on hold, I'm going to have to apologize. You can get us next time or you can get me on Inside Sports tomorrow night because we do have to uh, wrap up the show here. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Appreciate your work. You can always get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Our next broadcast is Thursday. Oilers start a five-game homestand against the Columbus Blue Jackets. The face-off show will be at 5.30. The game will be at 7. Then they have that matinee on Saturday against the Ottawa Senators. Kamloops beating Kelowna 5-1 to win the tiebreaker game in the Western Hockey League tonight. Oil Kings start their playoff series on Saturday. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Oilers Hockey is presented by Osmond Auction. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Live. Have a great night.